Hello, my friends, and welcome along to episode two of Call of the Wild, the podcast from WWF with me, Kel Spellman, where I try to find out about the threats to our planet and, more importantly, how we can fight back. This episode is all about plastic. That's right, that handy little material that crops up everywhere in our daily lives is becoming more and more of a problem. Did you know at least 8 million tonnes of plastic enter the oceans each year? Now that's the equivalent to emptying a rubbish truck of plastic into an ocean every minute. Horrible thought, really. In this episode, I'm going to be joined by Georgia May Jagger, the model and entrepreneur who is reckoning with the plastic use in her own industry. I was incredibly frustrated that there wasn't more options for small businesses like ours to make recycled packaging within the UK. I'm also going to be chatting to the great Steve Backshaw, presenter and wildlife expert who is going to give me an overview of the issue and what we can do about it. There is a peculiar insanity to the ease with which we can take a water bottle, which we will chug down in 30 seconds, and then that bottle will float around in the environment for decades, maybe a century. We're going to hear from someone whose world was thrown upside down by the sheer quantity of plastic dumped on their doorstep. Our homes became invaded. We couldn't even sleep. And we can't forget, we'll also be hearing from you beautiful people about some great starting tips on reducing our own plastic use in our lives. But before we get into all of that, let's get back to basics. Let's look at one of the most common bits of plastic waste we'll find anywhere on the planet the humble plastic bottle, and find out what actually happens to it after we're done with it. The future of a plastic bottle depends on us. We could throw it in the bin, sending it to landfill. Here, our bottle just lies in a pile, gets rained on and releases toxins into the environment, which harms wildlife. But what if we simply throw our plastic bottle on the ground? It will most likely end up in the sea, drifting all over the world. It could even find its way to the Pacific Garbage Patch, a horrific floating island of discarded plastic the size of Texas. Ocean plastics are a big problem. Big bits of plastic can trap sea creatures or starve them, but there are also tiny pieces called microplastics. These are eaten by animals and end up in the entire food chain perhaps even ending up in our fish and chips. In fact, WWF estimates that we eat a credit card's worth of plastic every single week. But what if we recycle our plastic bottle? This is a long process where bottles are sorted, taken to a recycling plant and crushed, then melted down to begin a new life. Perhaps it's clothing, some insulation, or even a new bottle. But almost 50% of what we put into the recycling bin is never recycled. Lots of our plastic waste is shipped to countries who don't have the infrastructure to deal with it, ending up being burnt, adding to climate and health problems, or in landfill again, polluting the environment. So wherever our bottle goes, after we're done with it, it's here to stay. The best option for our planet is to have one refillable bottle that we can keep reusing so we don't buy the plastic bottle in the first place. And friends, honestly, have a little look at that Pacific garbage patch. 
it will make you feel sick to the core. And for me, actually, is a great representation of the scale of the single-use plastic problem. And we're going to be finding out a little bit more about the unseen issues that all the excess recycling we're shipping around the world are causing a bit later on. But first, let's dive in deeper to this issue because it's not just plastic bottles. It's in food containers, packaging, clothes, absolutely everything. It's an issue that we really need to understand and more importantly, find solutions to. So I had the absolute pleasure and delight of sitting down with Steve Backshaw, writer, TV presenter and all-round nature man who's also a Sky Ambassador doing work with their Ocean Hero campaign at the moment. And if you do hear the odd goose during the conversation, be assured to know it is not sound effects we've added in. Steve spoke to me from the side of this beautiful lake. It was on a freezing cold morning. I mean, the perfect setting for a podcast recording, particularly this one. I asked him to give me an idea of the mess we're in. I think the thing that is most concerning is the acceleration of effects over the last decade and particularly over the last five years. It's having catastrophic effects on our environments, on our wildlife, and eventually uh, it is going to have catastrophic effects on us as well. So right now we are creating something like in the region about 300 million tonnes of plastics every single year, which is being, being disposed of. I should say, well, I need to say right from the start that this discussion is going to be about single-use plastics above all else because that is where our critical changes have to lie. The amount of single-use plastic it is absolutely off the scale and it's starting to have very visual very dramatic effects in the environments that I visit as a matter of course filming wildlife I cannot remember the last time I did a dive and went down and didn't see an animal that had some degree of plastic entanglement is there any moment uh, that really stands out to you that kind of highlights just the the situation that we're in and that really kind of you know has, has sat with you I did one particular dive in the Western Pacific a couple of years ago and what should have been a, an absolutely perfect coral reef was just looked like an, an underwater rubbish tip. And swimming along the length of this big ghost net which had accumulated over the top of the corals and was killing off the coral, about 90% of corals that come into you know, permanent contact with plastics will, will be killed off by it. So you, you'd swim along and you'd see a trumpet fish that was entangled and couldn't swim free and alongside it, hanging outside of the ghost net, was its mate and it was just there waiting for its dying mate. And then I swam on another metre and there's a scorpion fish entangled in the net and alongside it was its mate. And then the further you get on, you, you find entangled turtles whose days are, are numbered, sharks that are entangled in endless fishing lines and it's the most graphic visualisation of what we are doing to our planet and the things that we are so emotionally dependent on. You know, particularly in, in these dark, dark times, so many people have looked to nature to be their, their positivity and to give them hope. And to see the nature that we are only now starting to realise can give us so much, to see it so utterly denuded by us as a species just just brings me great sadness and and makes me makes me think 
what are we doing? What are we doing that, you know, now more than any other time in history, we understand the problems, we understand what we're doing, we understand what the end game will be, and yet we continue to do these negative things anyway. We should be better than that. And these microplastics and the, the single-use plastics in particular, the only people that you can put it down to or species, so to speak, is humans. There's, there's nowhere else we can lay blame, can we, on this, Steve? Of course not, no. The, the critical thing here is that we need systemic change in the way that our corporations uh, deal particularly with with packaging Um, the big corporations who basically churn out billions of single-use plastic bottles every single year without any redress need to be called to account that's something that we should be forcing all companies to do and when I say we obviously I'm talking about our our governments and our people in power but you know they are ultimately our servants they they need to do the things that are important to us so you know, we need to make our voice heard. We need to, to show that these are critically important things to us and we need to affect change. The next thing is personal responsibility. One of the big things with, with single-use plastic, let's keep saying single-use plastic above all else, is that it is a relatively recent thing in human history, you know, and it is something that we need to address with behaviour change above and all else because there is a peculiar insanity to the ease with which we can take a, a, a single water bottle, which we will chug down in 30 seconds, and then that bottle will float around in the environment for decades, maybe a century. Does that make any sense? No. You know, we could all easily carry around a water bottle with us like that, and it's free! You know? <laughs> it's, it's nuts! Absolutely, Steve. And and off that as well, then let's let's look at this switch that, that we so desperately need and, and not just us, our oceans and the animals that call it home, beginning with the, the big systemic change. So we are saying these bans and these taxes and laws can make a massive difference to systems and the world in which we live, Steve. I think that bottle buyback schemes and things of that nature are long, long overdue and should be enforced on corporations, particularly the, the corporations that, that benefit so dramatically from their, the effects of their own pollution, they need to be, to be forced to take account for that. And then the last thing is, is personal responsibility. And we talked about this before. I, I think saying, you know, carry around a plastic bottle, don't use a, a disposable coffee cup. There's a billion things like that that we can all do personally, but make it bigger than that. Make it about just thinking about where stuff comes from and where it goes, full stop. As soon as you've switched that that little tweak in your head, everything you do in your life starts working towards just a a better way of living for yourself and for the the planet that we rely on. We've shown that when we mobilise as as a population, as a species, we can achieve extraordinary things in short periods of time. We know that's possible now. So let's switch that same gaze to the wild world. Oh, Wire Man, absolutely loved that conversation. That is the wonderful Steve Backshaw there. And you'll be pleased to know there is more from Steve coming in our next bonus episode, as this is such a big subject and clearly a massive problem to solve. But it's also worth remembering that Steve said there it's single-use plastic. Banning all plastic, 
really isn't possible or realistic and that can actually end up causing more problems if it's just replaced with another type of single-use material or it means that we have more food waste so we really have to focus on unnecessary plastic that's where the battle will be won and as steve says we do have a voice to try and influence the massive amounts of unnecessary plastic large corporations are spewing out also, that we can make a difference from our own personal choices. Even if it's not on the same scale, it still makes a difference. And we're going to get some practical tips a little bit later on. So far, we've been talking about the impacts on nature, which of course is enormous. But we can't forget this is having a massive knock-on effect on human lives as well. While you and I might be worried about the plastic we might be eating in seafood, I say might, if you've eaten seafood, you've eaten plastic. But that is nothing compared with what some people have been going through. Most of the plastic recycling from the UK and many other developed countries is shipped abroad. China used to take a big proportion of this burden, but in 2017 they said enough. This meant that other countries nearby suddenly had an influx of plastic they were taking in to recycle, but often didn't have the infrastructure to deal with the sheer numbers coming in, and it all ended up being burnt, often illegally, in factories. So how does this impact locals? Well, we heard from Sonny Tio, a GP in Sungai Patani in Malaysia, who talks about the consequences of plastic on his community. Round about March 2019, some people started complaining of their eyes feeling like burning, itchiness on the skin and difficulty breathing. For me and my family, we got woken up in the middle of the night. Later, when we compared notes with our friends, we found that it was due to the many waste recycling plants being opened in our town. It's a pungent smell, like petrol. It makes you want to cough, makes you feel uncomfortable. People got ill, yes. People were worried that's long-term exposure to these compounds, uh, you will have a high rate of cancer. Children were especially badly affected. Personally, I know of a few cases where children were admitted repeatedly during the year of 2019 for chronic cough and bronchitis. So, it was bad. Personally, I felt angry because our homes became invaded. We couldn't even watch TV in comfort in our homes. We couldn't even sleep comfortably at night in our homes. Thank you so much to Sunny there. I think it's always tough for us to realise the scale of the problem when we're not confronted with it in our daily lives but it is an absolute fact that people and communities like Sunnies are really starting to live with the impacts of climate change and in this instance plastic pollution. 
Now, the situation has been improving in Malaysia, but this is still a global problem with plastic being sent back and forth between countries. Dare I think about the carbon footprint of that. Clogging up the waters of coastal communities, spilling out in unofficial landfills and being burnt. And as with many of these issues, it's poorer communities that are being hit the worst. A really important reminder that while recycling is good, this is not the only answer and simply not currently feasible at these scales. We just need to reduce the amount being made and how much we use. I am now joined by someone who has been reckoning with the plastic problem both in their own life and in the industry they work in, the model and entrepreneur Georgia May Jagger. George has been a lifelong supporter of conservation and, of course, the industry she works in with its shampoo bottles and soaps contributes massively to the plastic problem. She's been looking into ways the products she works with can reduce plastic waste. We sat down to discuss these ideas, the challenges they present and also what makes her want to fight for our oceans in the first place. The ocean is kind of my earliest memories. Like uh, We always used to go to Ireland, to the seaside and when the sea goes out so far in the day and you see amazing creatures. I remember seeing a giant purple jellyfish and we would pick mussels like for our dinner as kids and that would be our job, like to clean them off and stuff. And just, I think having a really early kind of attachment and understanding that this is part of our life force, it's giving us food, it's a part of everything. What was it about the oceans you think that resonated? I think like we just feel as as children, it's just so magical and it gives that kind of vast sense of there's something bigger than you and something more important. And I think that that's kind of the initial feeling, I guess. Let's look a little bit at your work, Georgia, because, I mean, you, you, you kind of do so much, really. You're straddling a variety of industries, which is brilliant to see. I mean, you've got your hair product brand, Bleach. I also know that you mentioned there before as well, kind of working closely with Pandora. Looking at, let's say, the focus on the, on the beauty industry as a whole, when did you first realise about the footprint that the beauty industry has on the planet? I mean, we've always known, and I think especially the fashion industry, and I'm a part of that, you know, so it's always been important for me that I work with brands that are trying to make a difference. When I did my collection with Volcom, we made all the swimsuits out of Econol, which is a sustainable fabric made of uh, fishing nets that are reclaimed, that are sort of just dumped fishing nets. Nice. Because they were basically saying, we have enough of this. We never need to make a new swimsuit out of nothing. We have enough of all of these materials on earth right now that we don't need to be doing this. With bleach, you know, we've taken out all our extra plastic that we had in our packaging. We now have, instead of a plastic ball, we have our e-coconut. So it's a coconut, which is basically from the like coconut water industry. And it's kind of like glazed. And then you use that to mix your, your bleach and your hair dye now. Our new product that's just coming out, which is like, I think, first of its kind in this respect, is our pink shampoo bar, which is just packaged in recycled cardboard. So it's essentially a pink shampoo bar that you can dye your hair pink with. So it's eliminating all of the plastic from that. So I think that's kind of where we're heading. Very, very cool. But when creating all these things, was there any like major roadblock or stumbling block that you came across you know that you found actually that was difficult to get around and maybe didn't need to be there 
The biggest thing I feel and something that I'd like to invest in the future is the recycled glass industry in the UK for small scale businesses. It's actually really difficult to, if you're a small business, to have your packaging, if it's recycled glass like ours is, it it comes from France because we actually don't have that in the UK. They only do that for really big mass production for for our, our unit, which isn't that small. It's still several thousand units. I was incredibly frustrated that there wasn't more options for small businesses like ours to make recycled packaging within the UK. And and as a, as a small business owner, but also as a person of the planet and as a consumer, what do you think are maybe the best ways in which we can try and force these big businesses and, and the people that are, you know, putting this legislation in place to make that change? I think we just have to not buy the products and consume less. But it is also about the big companies. They have to take responsibility to not give us those products in the first place. But I think as an individual, you can request from people and be like, this is a great brand, this is ethical, and champion the brands that you think are doing the right thing. Do you feel a responsibility at all, Georgia? You know, given, you know, one, one your platform, but I think as well, just given the, the work that you're doing in a variety of industries, do you feel a responsibility at all? Yeah, I feel a huge responsibility. I think especially this time and everything we've experienced has made me really realise that the way that I was living my life before is not sustainable for the planet or for myself. And the days of going somewhere for a day for a job are kind of gone for me. I don't, I don't want to do stuff like that. And I tell the brands that I work with that. But it would be hypocritical for me to say that I'm only going to cycle everywhere for the rest of my life. Do you know what I mean? Because that's not exactly how I'm going to be able to do my job. Well, I'm, it's, it's something that I'm always banging on about going like, look, if, if you wanted everyone to be perfect or you had to be perfect to get involved in this conversation or fight, the only people you're going to be left with are probably the indigenous people from countries all over the world. It's, it's near enough impossible. I think it's kind of an acceptance in that we can't be perfect, but there is a perfect balance, I think, to be found. And that's what we've got to strive for. Moving forward then, uh, looking ahead to kind of the, the year ahead and, and the next coming years, what's in what's in store for you, Georgia? What what are we going to be seeing you doing and getting involved with? I think that the, the plastics issue, the climate issue is a global issue. So there's no way we're going to get through it unless we, we don't all band together and take the knowledge from everywhere. So I think it's really important, especially like within industries, to take the knowledge and see what other people are doing and feel inspired by that to like make a change for the future hopefully we'll all band together and sort of get out of this place that we're in now that's kind of my biggest hope for the future but yeah no i i would love to eventually go to the ocean again that's really something (laughs) it sounds cheesy but i've been really craving it So that's Georgia May Jagger talking about what she's trying to do. And it was so great to sit down with her and have that chat. So thanks for coming on, Georgia. But what about the rest of us? Well, you'll be pleased to know that WWF have got us covered because they have released a brand new app. Of course they have. There is an app for everything, even saving the world. It's called My Footprint. Now, it's free to download from your app store. And it is full of ideas of how to reduce our own footprints and make a difference like these so let me have a little look here and see what we have um all right the plastic free routines so this involves getting bars of shampoo and conditioner or soap bar soap has 10 times less environmental impact than liquid soap so you can clean yourself 
and the planet at the same time. Jobs are good. We've also got bulk buying. If you're in the position to do it, one giant bag of pasta instead of 10 little ones immediately saves on plastic there. Very simple and we can put that idea into so many different things. There's also guides here on how to recycle properly, how to keep plastic from our clothes getting into the water supply. Absolutely loads, well worth your time, so go download it and check it out. Right, I've been looking forward to this. It's now time to hear from you lovely lot about what you're doing at the moment to try and be more green. Since learning more about the impact on the environment of both chemicals and plastic, I've started to make a lot of my own skincare products. So this has been everything from body lotion and body scrub to deodorant. It's actually a lot simpler than I thought to make these things. And this has meant that I haven't had to buy a lot of different products in plastic packaging as I've been reusing things like old glass jars to put them in. Hi. I am Sean Dula and I am eight years old. Sir David has inspired me to make a change and help the world to recover its wild side. I emailed my headmaster, Mr Honey, about what we could do to make our school an eco school. Every time something runs out in my house, I've been replacing it with something plastic free. So things like conditioner bars, solid soap, toothbrushes, things like that. And then I'm trying to work that through into different rooms of the house as well. The kitchen's gonna be a big one. I've been starting to use refill shops where I can refill containers of things like rice and pasta and cleaning products. Absolutely love that. A massive thank you to everyone who has sent us those voice notes so far. It really is wonderful to hear from you all. And I can say from experience, refill station shopping is very fun. And Sean, a very special mention to you. You are inspiring me, my friend, and I'm sure everybody listening. I think we can all try and follow your lead and follow your footsteps. Now, remember, if you want to get involved and you've got any hot tips and think people should know about this, please do reach out and get in touch. You can send a voice note to callofthewild at wwf.org.uk and you may just hear your voice popping up on future episodes. As I say, these are one of my favourite parts of this podcast, so please do keep sending them in. We absolutely love listening to them. And there we have it. That is the end of this episode. A huge thank you to Steve Backshaw, Georgia May Jagger and Dr. Sonny Teo for their help digging into the issue with me. In the next episode, we're going to be looking at the impact of deforestation, finding out about how our food choices can affect a lot more than our own health. And of course, I'll be joined by some more special guests. But if you can't wait till then, there is a bonus episode coming out in two weeks' time. It's basically featuring a whole load of extra wisdom from Steve, which we couldn't fit into this episode. We had such a good chat, and hopefully you'll enjoy it as much as I did. So do check it out. And if two weeks is still too long, and I like it if it is, then do not worry. If you head over to YouTube, uh, WWF have a channel full of content about the awesome work they do to combat these issues we're talking about in Call of the Wild. It's the WWF UK YouTube channel and you'll find a playlist of extra content called Call of the Wild. This is a Fresh Air production for WWF. Please do subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.